Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the president, chairman, and founder of Solar Wolf Energy, Ted Strzelecki. Since his childhood, Ted knew he was interested in entrepreneurship and the idea of building a business. Since starting Solar Wolf Energy, the product has spoken for itself. Installing solar panels in both commercial and residential areas, the company has only grown in popularity over the years. After facing many of the challenges that come with starting a business, Ted has managed to maintain the power of positivity. With a great business model, as well as a renewable source of energy, it's no wonder that it's had a 1,071% growth in just three years. Solar Wolf Energy is growing like crazy. So, Ted, my friend, let's get right to it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I know that you are an entrepreneur extraordinaire with several companies now and more growing underneath your belt. But take us back to the beginning. How did we even get into this? So from early on, uh, I'm the son of two parents that had a fire truck repair company, right? They started out doing cranes. One of the fire chief came to them and said, hey, can you fix one of my fire trucks? This is, of course, back in the 80s. And uh, my dad said, yeah, I can fix it. So he fixed the truck. And then, boom, there was a business in that. And then uh, both my parents, um, hardworking folks, but neither got very far in school. In fact, I think neither of my parents went past like seventh grade. So minimal education. Uh, which I think also kind of harnessed them to minimal growth, right? So the mindset was kind of fixed and didn't grow too much. So I watched them build a business and it never really got to the speed it probably should have. But um, fortunate for me, um, I'm a big observer. Um, I like to watch all the people around me, take notes, whatever. And I liked all the things that they were doing. And I kind of like took notes and all the things that they didn't like. I took even better notes of what I thought could be different or should be different, better. And um, was obsessed with, you know, starting a business as, as, as early as, as grade school. Um, just that was for me because I grew up in that household thinking it's just normal to start a company. It's what you do. Mm. So that's that's kind of like as, almost as soon as we got out of high school, did that, started a construction company, bought a multifamily home so that I wouldn't have to worry about like the mortgage, my tenants would pay for that. Just, you know, obviously do my research, right? And uh, in love with construction, the industry itself, all aspects of it, commercial, demolition, all of it, the whole bit, building bridges, whatever it took, loved all of it from homes to shopping centers. I just love going to a job site and leaving it better than we got it, right? Can I pause so, you right there? Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't want to I don't want to gloss over this. Straight out of high school, you start a construction company. Mm -hmm. How in the world do you do that? I assume there's a whole bunch of uh, pretty upfront cost doing a construction company with tools and maybe trucks and stuff like that. How did you? So it's, it's, so it was super, I went to trade school, right? Cause uh, I am not a good student. You try to sit me down in a classroom for four or five hours. You will lose my attention after 11 minutes tops. You know, <laughs> um, I, I have severe ADD and ADHD. I need to get up, go and do things. I need to change things, grow things constantly. I'm just obsessed and to a point is it's almost um, it's almost unhealthy because like home life, all of it, like I need to constantly improve and, and just build. Right. So out of high school, I went to trade school for construction. So um, saving money. I've been I was buying tools. That was nine or 10 years old. Hmm. 
and uh, growing up blue collar family, it's not weird, right? Like that's kind of normal. Again, this is the eighties. This is the nineties. It's a different time frame than today. So no cell phones and all this other stuff. Like you got out of school as a kid back then you went to work most likely, you know, or homework and that was it. So I started buying tools. I bought a truck and then I started on my own, just, you know, renovating houses, putting in windows, decks, things like that. And then I went out and bought an excavator, some dump trucks and started doing the site work and all that too. And just, I'm just obsessed. This is the only industry I ever want to be in. This is it. This is my heart and soul is in this. Love it. Okay. So uh, Mm -hmm. that makes more sense. You started Mm -hmm. as a solo practitioner, taking taking the jobs that you could do with your tools. And then you slowly built some equipment and Mm -hmm. employees around you. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, times are good. Now we're talking, you know, the mid two thousands. And if you're old enough to remember what construction or what uh, the home real estate market was like in the mid two thousands, you know, that it was, it was crazy good. It was almost as, as good as it is, I'd say, right now, actually, which is almost too good to be true, which is why I'm kind of concerned with what's going on right now. But, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, fast forward to 2007, 2008, um, I'm thinking I'm invincible. I'm a late 20s kid who everything I touch turns to gold, right? I'm building this business. Like, we're just making massive revenues. Um, just life is good, right? I'm buying multi- multi-family homes. I'm overextending myself crazy because hey this is going to go on forever right so i Mm. thought and then uh the global financial crisis happens lost literally everything um i married my high school sweetheart uh lost my wife uh all the all the property everything was leveraged it was it was it was it had a note on it you know yeah and i was just i was just living like everybody else was in the 2000s right and then um i i I definitely had some kind of like a, uh, like a fracture from that, if you will. Uh, I lost everything. And then I, I was homeless. I was literally homeless sleeping in my truck and um, just terrible thoughts going through my head. Just, you know, what a, a dark time in my life, which now I'm grateful for. I, I think now being homeless is one of my strongest advantages right now because it, uh, it removed almost any bit of fear I have in trying to do something and worrying about what it looks like to everyone else or failing. Right. Wow. I just, I just don't possess that anymore. Um, so, but I had to, I had to pay a really big price for that and, uh, I'm grateful for it now, but not then clearly, um, you know, fast forward a few years after that, after I lost everything, I'm trying to find my way. I'm working for a bunch of people. What's not working. And again, and again, I find myself, taking what I, what I liked from all the people I'm working for, what they were doing and what what I was trying to learn from them. And I I wrote down all the things I hated that they were doing that I thought, this is not how you do it. This is not how you handle people. This is whatever. But it also left a massive financial impression on me, which I'll say, um, had I not gone through that in 2007, I wouldn't have been able to steer the ship through this pandemic we just went through. Yeah. Um, because now I live on the other side of, uh, of it where I, tr- I try to basically own every asset I have and I don't like loans. I don't like notes. So like all the property, everything, we own all of it because I'm not a fan of debt anymore. Like it just, and it's, you know, I know you need debt to grow and everything else, but we did the Inc 500 and um, we didn't take any loans out, any of that. We, we did it by bootstrapping and reinvesting and everything. So um, long story short, to how we got to this, um, I'm working for a contractor doing some, some pretty extensive, uh, public work, you know, 25 foot deep trenches in the middle of the roads, things like that. Um, deep well points, right. You know, we're digging, uh, 20, again, the 23 feet, 24 feet right next to a reservoir. So 
pretty, pretty critical work for uh, doing drinking water reservoir uh, work and stuff like that. Pump houses for, uh, for the city of Boston. So I'm enjoying the work. It's challenging, but it's not, it's, it's not mine. And I have, is that like that, that overwhelming unhappiness comes around and my wife, who my wife I have right now, my wife, Michelle is absolutely just incredible. And this isn't possible without her. I'll say that. Mm. Um, but she's like, look, you're just gonna, you're going to end up self-sacrificing, self-sabotaging and you're probably gonna get fired because this isn't yours and you need to do yours. So she's right, but I don't know what I need to do. And then I had a former classmate that I went to trade school with call me and say, Hey, I'm down in Florida. I'm selling solar. I'm working for these two other people. Um, I'd like to do it. Are you interested? And I obviously get some money put away. And I said, all right, well, sure. What, you know, what do you need me to bring to the table? And what do you bring to the table? We work that out. I bring all the, the investment to the table. He brings the knowledge. Um, I, because I'm bringing the investment, I said, look, non-negotiable. I want a majority stake in the company. So didn't even argue with me on it. Didn't even try to negotiate, which should have been a red flag. So I've learned something else, Miss, which I'll get into to help everyone else who's a founder or looking to do one too. It'll help you. But so long story short, um, we do a little bit of work together. We start out in Florida. I come to find out I have, we're interviewing people to, you know, to work for us. I'm doing the books. I'm doing all the construction oversight, uh, everything from up here from Massachusetts. He's on in Florida. And, uh, you know, it just, you can probably see where this is going. So we start interviewing people. Um, and then I start getting phone calls from people in Florida going, Hey, have you Googled your business partner? And, you know, I've known this kid since I was 14. I didn't think I had to, right? Sure. Sure. Wish I did. Cause if I had, I would have seen he'd been arrested a couple times for taking money from homeowners and not doing any of the work, not even buying materials, nothing, just taking the money and like ghosting them. So I find this out. About the same time, I have about seven or eight homeowners down in Florida saying, hey, when am I going to get started? I've been waiting for a couple of months, and I'm, I have no record of these people in our computer at all. Now, mind you, we're a two-guy operation. We're subbing everything out, right? So naturally, I have all kinds of time because when you start a business, you have like no money, but you have a ton of time, right? right? Yeah. So I'm like trying to look all these people up. I'm Googling everything I can now. Now, you know, the, the feeling in the pit of my stomach starts. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This kid's a con artist. And uh, sure enough, I find that the leads that I was paying for, because again, we're a startup. I'm putting all the money in the company. Like we're not really turning any money over. So it's all coming from me. Yeah, I'm not working. I'm working on this business full time. I'm living off of my savings. I'm supporting a then family of five while doing this and apparently supporting him. And uh, I'm buying leads and he's selling them and him and the installer we were using in Florida were working together and they cut me out. They were in bed together. So here we go. A couple months goes by. These people are saying like, where are my installs? I have no record of these people. So I get a list of about eight people, seven or eight people that, uh, that, that, called me, contacted me. And um, now he's from here. So when he was coming up here to visit family, I had already had a letter typed out basically saying, I, I, I know about all these people. The funds were this, I paid for it. Um, so basically signing over, you know, your rights in the company because you've now stolen from the company oh, and yeah. slash in or me. Right. So I was like, okay. So he signed over his ownership in that. And then uh, what's interesting and I'm a huge, I'm not a big believer in religion, but I'm a massive believer in um, like the law of attraction, right? And what's interesting is as soon as him and I cut ties, the next 
quarter, the next three months, we did more revenue in one quarter than him and I had done in almost a whole year at this point. Mm. It was just, it was just almost like just, it was meant to happen. Right. So things just started happening and taking off and growing. And, um, we started out in a closet. I built, I, we started this from a closet in my house. And then, uh, I bought a, a terrible, terrible rundown home. And then I, I, I said to my wife, look, we bought the house for 25 grand with 25 grand in Massachusetts is usually just a piece of land. And, uh, this terrible, terrible, ugly home. And I said to my, my wife, listen, I we're doing this because we're going to start the business. We'll clean the house, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to like put in crazy money in this thing. Cause every dollar we have, we're going to put into this company. I said, and if you're okay with that, if you'll do that with me, then I promise you, I'll let you buy your dream home. I said, it's going to be a while though. And she said, okay. So, you know, we have three kids, kids are cool with it. Kids are, you know, at this point, they're all under four. So um, they don't really know too much what's going on. They just know that, you know, we're moving. Yay. Right. So yeah, yeah. we're in the house and uh, I'm working away. I'm literally working 20 hours a day. Like yeah, every entrepreneur talks about doing stuff like that. But like, just for record, I worked 1,697 days in a row to build this company um, without a day off. And I don't mean like I punched in for an hour on my laptop and call it a day. I mean, like I, the minimum I would work was an eight hour day. And I kept track of all this. So we moved from the closet to the bedroom, to spare bedroom, to our first office. And then we've moved six times in five years. So the, the facility we're in now. Um, and I, if I could have just written down everything that I broke, ruined, and didn't work, I would probably have like Webster's book, a thickness of guide of what not to do. It's just <laughs> crazy. Um, but super full of gratitude amongst everything. I, I can't stress enough the amazing, and I mean, I say it with conviction, the amazing people I have with me here now on this journey at the, in this company. And my wife, who I have no idea why she supported me to the degree that she did. She must really love me because she put up with a lot. I mean, we have, we now have four children. And for the first few years, I barely saw them. I missed my youngest son's birth because of work, because of this. And she's never given me any flack for it. She supported me wholeheartedly. And so has the team around here. They just, they just get it. Wow. So, um, you know, I'm the one being interviewed right now, but I got to be honest with you at every chance I get, I want to thank everybody that's worked here previously and still works here because this is amazing, man. Super inspiring. I want to, I want to go back just a little bit. Um, yeah in particular from that time and I don't, I'm not wanting you to necessarily revisit trauma, you know, but when you go back to that 2008, um, I want to, I want to just get a little bit of insight into in retrospect, how you made it through that and picked yourself back up or maybe others picked you back up and you were able to rebuild from there. Cause that is, you know, I think everyone's going to go through a version of that. And many people yeah. have gone through that this last year or so with, Maybe their business, they're listening right now, maybe their business did crash. Maybe it didn't survive, you know, the pandemic. And I watched my dad go through something similar. The benefit for him was he was towards towards the age of retirement, uh, but he had built a commercial roofing business and obviously thrived in the 90s and thrived in the early 2000s here in Atlanta. And then the 2008, man, I mean, from, you know, it was probably a four or five year period where it was just, you know, a hole in the side of the ship. And it crushed him, you know, it crushed him Yeah. and he was able to sell and he was able to, you know, he, had, uh, he was Good. later in his career. So he was able to basically just sell it and retire. 
but I just watched the toll that took on him of something he had built and worked so hard for just turn like that. And you're in the middle of your career. You're not at the end of your career. You're like, what'd you say? Twenties? Mm -hmm. That was so my twenties. Yeah. then. Yeah. Twenties. And you think you're on top of the world and then you find yourself living in your truck. Uh huh. How do you get through that? So, you know, I'll be honest. So, um, live in a small town, right? I was in the fire department for 10 years, you know, it's telling everybody knows everybody's business, whatever. So when the business collapsed and, and you know, this, right? Like, so like when you have a business and you're crushing it and you're kicking ass, everybody is like a friend, right? Everybody, but it's amazing how many friends can't wait for you to fall. Right. Because mm. I, I think what happens is when you become successful, you, you, you show people resentment, which is like, most people will never try to start a business. And right. honestly, most people probably shouldn't because it is a, a dedication and a sacrifice that comes along with it. That is a commitment that can't be half-assed. Um, and, and, you know, when you have a business and you lose it, you know, you lose your job, you can go get another one the next day. You work at a company that closes, you go find another job. But the guy or the gal that owns that place, when that place closes, you're probably in court for the next year, year and a half constantly mm -hmm. and meeting with attorneys and just so much stuff on top of your personal defeat, which people seem to just forget about for a minute, you know, and you got to look at everybody and it's just, it's super, super hard. So when that happened, I, I just, I couldn't be around everything just showed me bad memories of what I had and what I don't have. Right. And just, you seem to kind of like emulate all the things you lost you know and it just it just it's almost like being unhappy and wanting to be unhappy so i just removed myself and i just went out to california i just get on my truck and i drove and wow. i figured if i'm gonna be homeless let's be homeless in socal right <laughs> yeah. i i had never been i don't know a single person out there but it's warm and hell i'm gonna you know what now i got all this time right so go out there. I get to, uh, I'm driving across the country. It's a 1996 Chevy two-door Tahoe. It's like an aqua green. I have pictures of this truck. I'm trying to buy it back in the worst way. Um, so I go out to California on the way out. I stop in a desert, uh, out in the desert, New Mexico, and there's an abandoned gas station that I had found. And I, that's where I pulled over to sleep that night. I cried myself to sleep so much that I dehydrated myself. Oh, and my, like my, my, my tendons, my arm, like I couldn't bend my hands. My, I, I was from crying and screaming. I just, is just hell. Yeah. And I, I feel like I probably had like the close version of like a, a nervous breakdown almost at that point. It was just the absolute hell. Um, I, I want nobody to go through, not even my enemies. That was just, just terrible. Finally make it to California. Um, and I hit the beach and the ocean for me ever since has been like a savior for me, even to this day. Um, from having any kind of trouble, whatever, I just go to the beach. Now I live a lot closer, thank God, thankfully. But, you know, the point is, is um, I go to California and I'm out there away from everybody and everything. I'm not calling people. I didn't even call my parents or anybody for a couple of weeks when I get out there. And um, I'm just trying to make it work. I'm sleeping in my truck and I'm not trying to go find a job. I'm just trying to wallow, if you will. Right. And um, long story short, eventually I, I come back home. My, uh, my, my then young, super young nephew and niece, you know, I call him a couple days before Christmas and I say, Hey guys, what do you want for Christmas? Is he what can uncle send? And I, I don't have two pennies, but I'll figure it out. And they were both like, well, we'd like you to come home, uncle Ted. Yeah. So I'm crying. Right. Mm. I'm like, okay. It's like December 22nd or something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try like hell, but, um, 
I made it. I was like a, like a day late, but I come home for Christmas and I, I never went back and I stayed. I'm glad I did. And I found work and I just kept going. And um, I'll be honest, there was a, a good month before I left to go out to California. I did not want to leave my bedroom. I, I, I didn't want to leave my bed. I wanted the, the shades drawn. I didn't want sure. to watch TV. I didn't want to talk to a person. Phones ringing. I don't want, you know, none of the obligations that I have at this point. I'm like, just screw everything. I just gave up on life. And I don't ever want someone to go through that ever. Anybody. That's just a hell that I think, like I said, now I think it's my advantage. It's my weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I have yes, no fear. I mean it sounds like, you know, at that time you experienced full on depression, you know, those, that's the, yep. that's the calling card signs of depression and mm -hmm. what you did that is really smart, whether you knew you were doing it or not, is you steered opposite your instincts. Like <laughs> the instincts in depression make, make things worse. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you want to isolate, you want to draw those shades closed, you want to sleep all day and it actually makes the depression grow yeah. whereas the opposite is what you need even though in the moment you feel like you don't want it at all mm -hmm. but you got outside and not just like outside of the house you got outside of the environment that was reminding you of the pain even the boston weather i'm sure is just more cold and dreary <laughs> and you went yep. to sunny california where you could you know, get some vitamin D and even breathe for a second and kind of collect yourself. I just, man, I want to give you so many, so much props for that. Like Thanks. you got out of quicksand. And it was, it's, see, I started as like an escape. I just wanted to get away from everything that would remind me of pain here. You know, totally. I know and people like, Oh, you're just running through problems. And I'm like, well, you call it what you want. But like, I got to tell you at that point in my life, I, I'm not ashamed to say it because I am human. And I feel like there are times when people lose their businesses and, you know, I didn't want to say the word, but like suicide amongst entrepreneurship, I, I would be willing to bet is that the top three professions in the world for that is probably, I'd say entrepreneurship probably in the top three, if I had to guess, because the failure is felt on such a level that most people will never realize, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's gotta be up there with losing a, a child, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's what I was thinking about. I'll watch like a show, you know, and I know it's just a show on TV, but I'll watch a show where let's say a, a child dies and the family stays in that house. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but they're really struggling. You know, the room yeah. is right there and they walk by it every day and the family falls apart. And my wife and I are always like, move, right? Yelling at the TV, like, move. <laughs> Why don't you leave? Yeah. Sell that house. Like, you're yeah. not going to forget your child. You're not going to skip the grieving process, but you don't have to be in the same home. And I think, you know, just like you said, losing that business, even though you came back, you gave yourself a chance to breathe. And maybe just get yeah. your head a little bit above water before entering back into that environment, right? Yep. Yeah. It, who knew, right? But yeah, I'm glad I did it. But man, thankfully, so, it's on the past. Important. Well, and the other thing you said, looking back, that I think is really important that I think we can actually do to some degree, even without experiencing rock bottom. And that's what you talked about taking the fear away from the worst case scenario, right? Like so many times, I was telling a client this the other day who was. We don't normally talk about stuff like this, but, you know, I told you beforehand, I do coaching for, for companies and executives and stuff. And what was on this person's mind at the time was that they have a family member that's pretty close to dying. Ooh. And, you know, he's like, I start to freak out. And then I pull myself back and goes, no, you know, he's not going to die. You know, we got some good news going on. And I said, you're stopping a little short. You know, let's play it out. 
and you're afraid to, but like, let's just entertain the scenario that what if this person does die? Mm -hmm. You don't need to be afraid of entertaining that. And what would that mean for you? Well, I'd be devastated. I know. And is that okay? Yeah. Will you survive that? Eventually. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't actually have to be afraid of the worst case scenario, even if we don't want it. And right. I think that's what you're experiencing is like so many times I know for me, you know, I have three young kids. I started a business in my 30s and was like, what am I doing? Like, what if we're homeless on the street? What if we whatever? And I just started playing out the scenarios and go, well, what are we really talking about here? And would I survive? Yeah. Yeah. I'd figure mm -hmm. it out. Do we have family and friends that would probably help us out? Yeah. Yeah, I bet mm -hmm. I would. And I just, I, instead of like pushing that thought away, I just kind of embraced it. And yeah. then it started to lose a little bit of its paralyzing nature. Do you see what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And so that, that's, that's what it makes me think of when you say I've experienced the worst. So now mm -hmm. I don't want it. I don't ever plan to go back there. I'm sure that's how you think about it. But at the same time, you're like, but it doesn't hold this like huge fear over anymore because I've been there and I, and I got out of it. So I know a lot of people say this kind of thing, but it's like hanging up in my office because people buy this stuff from me. Like I, I literally lived the life of um, like, it sounds so cliche, but like, I would rather die than not be able to do this. I would literally, I, I will never work at another place ever again. I will do this forever. There is nothing that is professionally more important to me than making sure this continues to grow and, and just exist because I, I will, if I had to sell like, so, you know, I told me, I told you earlier that like uh, my, I told my wife that we bought that house and then um, I'll let her buy pick out her dream home. She did. Like we did, we bought it. We, we, mm. I paid for my home. Like it was amazing. I would sell that tomorrow if I had to, to keep my, my company going without hesitation. And my wife would too, which is crazy. Wow. It's, it, you know what I'm saying? Like we're that in for this. Well, yeah. I want to ask about that. You know, one of the things that I'm hearing from your story is you went through a period of time where don't need to point fingers, don't even need to go specifics, but there were some people that obviously didn't stick it out, whether it be mm -hmm. friends, whether it be ex-wife, whether it be that mm -hmm. shady business partner you first got into bed with. And now you're surrounded by a cast of like true friends and true companions. Family. Family. Yeah. And I don't know how you, I just curious how you think about that. Like, is there anything you did intentionally? Does it feel just like almost grace from the universe that these people are around or like, you know, not, this is going to sound like I'm tro totally like patting myself on the back, but you know, all the, like I said, all those things I wrote down of like all the things I would never do is I, one of the things that stuck out with me with many people that I worked for was the way that they treated me. Like they made me feel like an employee, like, like, don't forget you work for me. And I'm like, look in my head, if I have to tell you that, like if, if I own a company and I have to tell somebody you work for me, your leadership skills suck. Yeah. yeah. Like it, you want the truth. Like that's just because if you have to remind people that they work for you, then you aren't effective and you aren't being respected as a leader, but you know, um, a perfect example. So, I mean, right now I'm wearing a pair of Chippewa work boots. Um, you know, yesterday I was digging a hole with one of my guys uh, in a machine with an auger with doing a brown mount. Like I'm literally going from meetings to boardrooms to construction sites. And that's my day. That's my day every day. And that's why I love what I do. And uh, this, this gentleman, he's just joined us. I'm super grateful for his service. He's a 10 year air force vet. And he's like, you know, he's like, this is the first place I've worked where, the owner gets out and works with us. And I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be. Mm. If you want the respect from your, from your team, then work with them. Yeah. 
especially in the, the bat, blue collar right? industry, right? Like that, that, yeah. that that's like a diff that there, you know, maybe, and then I'm making some generalizations here, right? So it's not going to sure. be true all across the board, but maybe in some white collar ish jobs, they might respect you because of your acumen or your intellect or you're the visionary, mm -hmm. but in a blue collar, it's more, you know, they're like, dude, are you willing to work hard? Are you in the trenches with us? Are, you know, are you one of us, right? Yep. Like you gotta, you gotta kind of, earn their trust you got to earn you got to show integrity again that's that's the business i grew up watching with my dad is like he had to earn the respect of some rough guys you mm -hmm. know and still be seen as the leader and be followed yep. and he was doing the same thing the transition from you know wearing the suit for that meeting and then out there on a job site helping them figure out the the, the mess right 100 percent. so you know so so your dad was a roofer right he owned his own yep. roofing company so that means you did a lot of roofing whether you wanted to or not you were going Absolutely. along right so you know, I, I'd say this, that um, of all the boards I've been a part of and companies I, I help or whatever, or people ask for counsel or investments, whatever, I'll say this. I, I think those who grow up in, in hard construction, but also have the brain, also have the ability to see, also have the, what the optics look like for the professional side are unicorns because they're not just white collar people or blue yep. collar people. They can be both, which is yep. a, if you can, if you can harness and, and weaponize that, it makes you dangerous. And I love nothing, nothing more professionally than if I go to a board meeting, I'm the guy that's going to show up in a hoodie and work boots while yep. everyone else is in a suit. And I, 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 I there's, there's one that I, I joined a board and, I showed up the first meeting like this. I literally came to the job site. I, I excuse my behavior. I, you know, I excuse my, my, my appearance. I, I explain the situation. We're all a bunch of working, you know, people in this, in this board. And, um, I, I knew, and again, I, I'm very perceptive. I can, you know, how high your eyebrows are going, the whites of your fingernails, like everything. I take all that in when I make an assumption and how I'm speaking and negotiating. So because I do that, the first two meetings I went to, I was severely, uh, how would I say this? Um, people didn't take me seriously. Yeah, underestimated. Oh, a, a large amount. And uh, by the fifth meeting, it was, oh, let's wait for Ted to get here. We want, we want to see what he thinks. You know? And I'm like, yep. oh, okay, great. So I understand. So the guy in the work which you guys are making fun of a couple of, a couple of weeks ago <laughs> suddenly now has the ideas you want to use. Okay, that's great. I love that concept because um, I, I feel like in this country, you know, the guy in the back of the limo or the guy driving the limo, especially now with Instagram, like this has just made it worse. Yeah. There are so many 13 and 15 year old kids right now that think that you're supposed to have a Lamborghini and you're not supposed to get dirty for work. And I'm like, you guys and you know, need to do it passively, whatever that means. Right. Like, right. Like what's uh, passive investing? Because you know, at some point you have to manage and keep an eye and watch and babysit all investments. No such thing as a passive investment. Yeah. But like these guys are thinking this is the way of life, but you guys don't realize like a plumber can make 240 grand a year in 40 hours. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So like you tell me who's got more vacation time and weekends available, whatnot, and who's you know got a better 401k. Right. So yeah. I, I feel like, that is, is progress. You know, there's shows like the blue collar millionaire on CNBC. Yeah. I love these shows because it shows kids like my kids are seeing, you know, my wife and I do this and they think it's normal to have a business. My kids think it's normal to, to yeah. have a company. And I, I enjoy that, but 
it's also a part of my responsibility to teach them. Like it's also normal for daddy to miss soccer games or because I have to go to work or I'm going to be gone for two days. Like that's normal now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy that side of it, but I really enjoy that some of middle younger America rather is, is seeing that it's okay to get dirty for a living. And, and I feel like in the next 10 years, welders, masons, electricians are going to be making as much, if not more than doctors because yeah, actual craft people, it comes, it comes down to demand, right? Like yeah. you can go to school for 30 years. Great. That's a huge investment. Fantastic. But what's on the job training. And then like everything now requires school hours. You want to be a master plumber in Massachusetts. I think you need uh, 8,000 field hours. And I want to say it's about 800 to a thousand class hours. Like mm. those are, that's real time. And that's after you went to high school. So that's, you know, after you put the baby down for a nap, you log on and do you three hours for the week or whatever, like that's a commitment. So those people are making the, the, the commitment too, but the demand for this, the demand for a plumber to come to your home, right? Like, cause nobody can do anything on their own anymore. So the demand You're is getting absolutely insane. right. So you're yeah. going to pay for it. Yeah, you're right. Because there's even that. Like, mm -hmm. there's even the the I guess the the downstream effects of um, more and more people being distanced from having to do crap themselves means that you're actually going to be calling the people that know how to more than you would have 40 years ago when you might actually yep. know how to fix your own plumbing. You know, correct. And now most people are like, I don't even own a tool. Like, what do I what do yeah. I do? And and you're going to call those people. You know, they're going to be experts. Uh, I will say I was joking with my my wife about this and my business partner a few months ago. You know, we had the same lean years that that you had. You know, mm -hmm. and part of those lean years were going through the pandemic. And I was like, you know, one benefit of being poor later in your life is I have learned a whole bunch of skills because when we were reinvesting everything in the business, I couldn't afford to call the plumber. I mm -hmm. had to open YouTube. And learn how to fix. I mean, I've, I've replaced yep. my own toilets. I've fixed my own brakes. I've done all these things that normally, if you had extra cash, you'd go, somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. I painted every wall in my house. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the cool part is, even if I don't do a lot of those again, I just feel like I know how to do it now. Mm-hmm. True. That's a, that's so a gift. true. And if, if, if we ever get tight again, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to go, I'll, I'll fix it. Exactly. That's like, you just said it, right? So like if things ever get hard or whatever, like it removes that fear, mm -hmm. right? Like, because you're like, well, now, now I know I can hit, now I know what I'm capable of now what I know what I can withstand, what I can go through and still make it like it's, it's a serious weapon. Yeah. Well, tell me this, this is, this would be a really good uh, direction to go in, in light of what we're talking about. I bet a lot of people are listening right now and recognizing, even I'm recognizing with my own team, yeah, where are those places that maybe I need to be more on the ground with my people, right? Like rubbing shoulders in some ways that aren't just boardroom or ideation or, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, okay. And I think where attention, and it's all going to be business specific, what the actual, you know, work would look like, but that can be confusing at times to know, hey, if I'm too much, in you know for you let's give you an example if you're if you're too much on the job site mm -hmm. you're spending time doing things that other people already paid to do right mm -hmm. and so you know at that point the company might be missing you like no we actually needed you out there raising capital right. or right. making decisions but then like you said if you're too removed from that well then now we've gone too far the other way and you might be missing the trust with the with the the team 
how do you how do you balance that? How do you think about that? So I've done something a little different for that. So I I've made it my way, like the way that I perform, the way that I function, and this is probably another uh, quality of life advantage that I have developed over time. So since I was a child, I, I have, I, I need to do several things at once. I, I want to finish them all, but I, I can't, if I do just one thing, I will go bananas. Mm. I need to have utter chaos going on in my life. I need, I need problems. I need, I need solutions. I need a lot of things happening. Otherwise you won't be able to keep my attention. Like, so like I said, the ADD, like when I was, when I was younger, like it just festered but rather than make it a problem, I welcomed it. And I tried to figure out how I can make that work for me. So I need a lot of crap going on in my life uh, professionally in order for me to really, really harness and, and focus my ability. So I've, I kind of feel like you can squeeze some people and they'll focus and you can squeeze most people and they'll fall apart, right? I focus. So that's that's an option that I have. I feel like I'm, I'm lucky to have, I'm grateful for it. But the other thing is I wouldn't be able to do this work like this work physically out in the field still, if I didn't have the people I have here. So I have a slew of people here that I trust. I mean, I called them family earlier because I, I would, I would, I would have these people at my home. I would trust these people with my children. Like these people have the company's best interest at heart. These people, I mean, you're almost going to make me cry if I start talking about it, man. It's, I'm, I'm so moved by the, 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 the people that are here. There's, there are people that give up so much of their social life and so much of their family life and try to just want this place to grow. And I feel incredible incredibly grateful but even more so like i i don't want to let any of these people down i would yeah. that's why i'm willing to sacrifice anything to make sure this place goes on forever and it's not even for my kids like my kids i can give my kids real estate or whatever that's easy enough but like this there's people that help me build this that i owe them everything for it so like i am heavily focused on that and because they're so passionate and give so much effort to this it allows me to step away so much so that last October, I actually stepped down as CEO of this place and I gave it to, uh, I, I made Taylor Bennett, my, my CEO here, that she's been with me almost from the beginning. I mean, she would have been our first outside real employee, really, if you will, outside of, you know, me and the, the former uh, guy that I started this with, who's no longer with us. So she's been with me through all of it. I mean, um, and she's, I'll give you an example. She's a two degree black belt. She got her MBA, I think just under five years while working 30 hours a week and having a relationship who does Whoa. that in their, in their late teens, early twenties, right? That's a committed and focused person. So I have that person helping me. I have every department head in this company is unlike any other person I've ever met. They take their department, they take their job, they take this place, they take the entire process here as gospel and they, they believe in it. So it's allowed me to now step outside the office more and just go to like job sites. I can just go to a job site, make sure the quality control, make sure the solar guys are up on the roof doing it the right way. The cool. harness, the electricians are doing it the right way. And you know, is there anything we can do to get better? But it allows me to leave the office and go to job sites, which is where I really want to be anyway. And it's where I'm the best, but what's allowed me to bring both of those together. What's really been the, the help here is 
again, because I have so many things going on that if I'm on a job site and let's say we're, we're doing footings for a ground mount solar array, right? And I'm pouring footings, my phone blows up, something bad is happening on the job site. I am completely unemotional and calculating when it comes to how can I solve that, turning into an opportunity and fix it all within three or four sentences, less than five minutes. You know what I mean? Like as yeah. fast as possible, make it into an opportunity and how can we utilize? And sometimes you can't do that. But at the very best, I try to figure solutions almost immediately to the point where I can't, <laughs> I can't shut this off. So my, my wife is like, would you just stop, you know, sometimes with yeah. trying to fix everything? And I'm like, I, I, I just can't know. <laughs> well, I love that you so, brought that up because I had made a note early on where you mentioned this idea of observing that your parents unknowingly had kind of a fixed mindset mm -hmm. versus a growth mindset. And I wanted to double back on that. But you just mentioned basically your way of even seeing a problem is already quickly going through a process of growth mindset thinking, all right, there's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. How can we make this work for us, work for the customer? There's a solution. There's a way. Is that naturally how you have thought about life and challenges? Or is that something you saw that like that's a better way and I learned to practice it? So this started um, when... I had my first, uh, well, I had my first two children. We had twins when, we, when I had my first, my, when my wife got pregnant, we had twins right away. But um, it started with a combination of her because my wife is a, a constant look on the bright side person, which, and you know this, right? So like, as you're going through life, you know, the people who make you laugh when you're mad, you're like, stop doing it. You get angrier, but you get more you end up laughing. <laughs> right. So my wife is like super persistent and like, look, you need to look on the bright side of this and there's an opportunity there. And you only need to hear that in your head so many times from your best friend and partner and your wife so much. And then when I had my children, um, that for me was, that was it. It was like, I need to be in a better headspace. I need to think about like how I'm going to take care of these these children and my wife, like, how is this, what I'm doing right now isn't going to work. So I need to figure it out. And, um, what I, like I said earlier, like I believe in the law of attraction. So I started focusing on only on great things. Mm. And the minute, the second, the, the microsecond, a negative thought would come into my head, I would instantly try to change it instantly. And, you know, I'm not a huge believer in like Tony Robbins or any of those guys, but like, you know, there is some kind of science here where we're finding out, especially now more than ever right now with studying the brain that that's real. Like you can actually change your entire life just by willing things like that and focusing on positive things. And what we're finding now is that it's legit. That's real science behind this and it works. So yeah. I yeah. still do it now. Like there are, I mean, the pandemic is a perfect, perfect example. Um, you know, right when it first happened, we had somebody who, you know, knew somebody who knew somebody who was exposed to it. And of course, you know, back in 2020, early spring, none of us knew what this really was. And we all thought the worst. So I just sent everybody home. I think we were home for like 11 days, just paid everybody. I was in no shape to be able to really do that. Cause I was more worried about like, what's going to happen from this. But I just put my faith in that the people that were here and I was like, you know, we're, we're, look, we're, we're going to make it. I am yeah. super confident we're going to make it because there's too many people trying too hard. And that many people rowing in one direction, you, you, you can't turn around. You, you, the boat won't go backwards, you know? So mm. uh, that's the case. And I just felt like with the pandemic, like here's an opportunity for me to exercise that, bring it to the next level. And it did. Wow. We, we grew during the pandemic. So, yeah. Man, you know, I'll tell you where I'm at on that currently and totally open. I'm always open to learning. So 
um, you know, I don't know if I buy the full extent of the law of attraction in the sense that like, you know, you, you see it play out with like a kid who's been watching all those Ferrari videos and they think if they literally just sit on their couch and think about a Ferrari every day that a Ferrari is <laughs> going to show up on their freaking driveway. Right, right, right. Because they attracted it, right? Right. But what I do think that I see often to people like you that I can't deny is that your mindset dictates a whole lot of things. And it opens you up to either finding creative solutions or your fixed mindset, your negativity shuts you down and you never find mm -hmm. a solution and you end up right. wallowing in what is, right? And right. so I do think the more that you, you know, you, you really buy in to my thoughts matter and what I focus on grows and put myself in, in a hopeful, positive mindset, I do think you nine times out of ten end up taking, making decisions. And I also think what I would say I, I do believe is science is it does have a very big interpersonal effect. Mm -hmm. Like I think there is a intuitiveness where people can pick up on, do I want to be around this person or not? Are they trustworthy or not? Do I feel better when I'm with them? I bet there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that take chances on us simply because they like us. That being around you, Ted, makes them feel uplifted, makes them feel like they can do anything. And so they're like, yeah, I'll invest in you. I'll take a chance on you. And so that's where I'm at. I don't know if we... If sure. we're pulling on strings from the universe and it's bringing stuff our way, but I do think we have a cascading results on the decisions we make mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and, the, and the behaviors we implement. And I think that starts with our mindset. That's, that's where I'm currently at. I could be totally wrong, though. You know, you, so you're right, right? That, that saying is like the harder I work, the luckier I become, right? Which yes. is like, you know, it, it's intention. Like, all right, let, let's put it this way. Nobody ever accidentally becomes president, right? You don't accidentally <laughs> – outside of like the Walton kids, like you don't accidentally become billionaires. Like there's yeah. an intention there. Somebody at some point had to say like, I'm going to become president or I'm going to be like Warren Buffett. You know, like he told his teacher, like, I'm going to become a multimillionaire. And his teacher laughed and he's like, well, who's laughing now? Because, you know, the whole planet knows who the guy is, not because he's a, a showboat or yeah. guy drives he lives in the same house since 1959 like he's just a humble dude but he was right but he, again somebody I, I think it's in this country i feel like a lot of uh younger younger youth and i feel like a lot of people aren't told to think bigger yeah right like you just okay well i want to i'll give an example okay so we're raising my children we're doing a kind of like a montessori type of thing where we want them we study them to make sure we, we have them learn what it is that they're great at also push them for things that they might not be great at but things that they should learn because it's part of right but the other side of this is you 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 have to make that distinction of like if you want something to happen you're going to have to all right, write two things down. You're gonna we want to sacrifice for. Depends how bad you want it. Well, I don't want to sacrifice anything for it. Then you really don't want it that bad. But so if true. it's something you you want, like you can't live without, then pick a couple of things you don't want to sacrifice right now. And I don't mean like okay, well, I'll give up a TV show. Things like I will give up, stop seeing my aunt or my my godmother or like whatever for like the next six months because I can't like. Perfect example. And this is very real. Like I, I told you earlier about, I missed my, my youngest son's birth and, and this hurt. Um, my wife was in the hospital for four days before we had him. He came a couple of months early and um, you know, my wife and I, we have this great relationship where she controls the children and day to day at the house. And, you know, I control the financial and the business side of things. And 
whoever has questions, we just ask them, but um, we never micromanage, right? Mm. And so when she was in the hospital because she was high risk and I said, to her, I had a meeting in Pittsburgh and I, I said, um, for some developments for, for solar. And I said, listen, I said, this is one of the few times where I'm gonna let you tell me if I can go to work today. Cause I'm a vet, my wife and I are very old fashioned where, you know, she's uh, she believes that, you know, I'm supposed to be running the marriage, right? That's how we both are. And she, I said, this is one of the few times where you're going to tell me if, if I can go to work or not. I was like, I will stay if you want me to stay. And I please know there'll be no resentment. Like this deal can happen another month or whatever. We can wait. She said, no, she said, go. She said, I'll be fine. I said, okay. I said, I need you to make this call. She said, yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent. Okay. If you are with the result. And I said, I'm going to go. So I went and then I'll never forget it. It was March 9th. And then, uh, she gets, she calls me at like four 30 in the morning. She said, the baby's coming today. I'm in Pittsburgh. And I said, Oh, okay. I said, can you wait? Because I'm a good eight, nine hours away. And, um, long story short, I drove back in a, in a, in a, in a frenzy. I blew the transmission of my truck. So I was probably going a little too fast, I'm not gonna say oh, how wow. fast, but you know, if you overheat transmission going through the mountains in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, um, I, uh, I get a rental car. I missed my son's birth by an hour, which is about the time frame it took for me to get from where I broke down to the rental car to getting it rented and getting it back. So I would have made it, but <sighs> I missed it by an hour. And it's a decision we now are able to laugh at. I, there's no resentment. She's not angry at me for missing it. And same thing. I don't, you know, for saying I can go, whatever, like it's my fault. Um, and it's a story that I'm going to share with, with my little guy when he gets older. Um, but and talk about like sacrificing, like, I'm okay with that. Yeah, y'all made I'm, that decision together. Right. So like when we bought our dream house, um, it's part of it, right? Like you want that, like there's a part of it. But so now that same house provides my children an enormous amount of privacy, an enormous amount of options because there's plenty of land. Like it's just, it's just, there's, there's a trade off there and the sacrifice is big, but if you're willing to make an enormous sacrifice in your life, there is unlimited return on life that you can get back from that. I love that. Yeah. And when you're also dealing with the reality, like, you know, we don't, nothing really is free. You know, <laughs> we, we, we like to sell free. Amen. We like to sell it like as an idea. Yeah. You could get this in 30 days for no money. And it's mm -hmm. like, nothing's really free. It's either your time, your energy, your money, it's going to come at some kind of cost. And we just got to sell up front. Are you willing to pay the cost or not? As best yep. you can estimate the cost and then decide, just like you're saying, am I willing to pay that cost? Because if I am, then there's no good reason why I can't get that. Mm -hmm. But I can't complain about it later or be surprised about it later when the bill comes. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's what we yep. had to go through. And, and, and we tried our best. You know, when I started my company, I was like, this is going to be at least two years before we even see any kind of security. And we're going to lose more money before we make it. And just want us to be like, it. just want us to know that's on average. I was like, I can't guarantee two years, like, you know, but like on average, mm -hmm. two years before a company's profitable, are you willing to go on that ride with me? And then she said, yeah. And then we still had, I, I gave her what I called a parachute clause. Like if it ever gets too much and it was more cost than we estimated, you know, paying emotionally or relationally, you just pull, you, you tell me you want to pull the ripcord and I'll go get a job. And I'll, yeah. I'll start my dream over five years later or sure. whatever. And we had several conversations where we got really close to her pulling that ripcord and, but got to the place where when we really looked at what we were building and the life it could provide for us and whatever, she was like, no, we're already this, let's, we're already here. Like, 
keep going because we also don't talk about the cost of the other way, right? So if I give up on that dream, that entrepreneurial dream early on, Oh, God, yes. I said, here's the other cost. I was like, I know it sounds really great having financial security, but let's talk about what that means. And I'm not trying to manipulate you. I just want to know the cost of either decision. Mm -hmm. I will no longer be flexible schedule. Like I won't be at home able to help with the kids like I am now. Because like you said, we may not have money, but we do have time. Right. <laughs> and I'll likely, be, I'll likely be starting over at some place, somewhere lower on the totem pole. Uh, so we'll get a little bit of security, but I'll be gone from probably 6.30 in the morning to 6.30 at night. And someone else is going to control our financial future. Someone else is going to tell me if I can take a vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll probably have to hire help for you, you know, around the house, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Do you want that reality or do you want what we're going after now? And when she looked at it that way, she was like, heck no. <laughs> Actually, her words were hell no. She goes, yep. I, want you, I, I, want, I want you to do this. And I was like, okay. And so, but like, it was that teamwork, like you're talking about with your wife, like we need to be on the same page here. I can't have resentment from you if I'm out there and, and it's taking time and I don't want, you know, anyway. So yeah, I think that's just so critical listening that we know the cost, we're willing to pay the cost and that we, even with our, our close companions, we have an ongoing conversation to make sure we're connected on this. You, you, you know, your wife, your, if you're the one signing the front of a check of a business, like your wife, your partner, your husband, whatever you have, like they're your business partner. And I feel like a lot of people don't put that math together. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people, like so many people ask my wife questions about me. And I'm like, you know, you need to ask her because a lot of the things we do with this company were actually her idea originally. I'll give an example. Here's one. This company might not exist if it wasn't for my wife. And the fact that shortly after we started this, um, my resume for construction, even before this, uh, is, is pretty extensive. I'm pretty fortunate to have done some great, great projects over the years. So I got a job offer from a headhunter. I got a call at 7.30 at night, shortly after we started this business. And they wanted to pay me for a two-year commitment, whether the job went through or not, two-year commitment, $4,000 a week, full benefits, um, a brand new truck of my choosing if I would oversee the construction of a glass penthouse. Apparently, there was a uh, some wealthy individual had bought the rooftop of a, of, a high, of a skyscraper in Boston. He bought the rights to it and he wanted to uh, construct a like a, almost like a glass penthouse, if you will, on wow. top of it. And I was just going to I wouldn't have to bring any tools. I would have to get there. I was going to oversee it. Right. Four grand a week. Now, mind you, we just started this business and I'm hemorrhaging money out literally every Friday. And I'm just thinking four grand a week. I've got three kids downstairs and, yeah. uh, you know, we didn't have a mortgage, but you know, like said, we lived on a $25,000 house. Yeah, yeah. Health insurance paid, which, you know, we really don't have any to speak of at the point other than like, you know, whatever the state provided because we were basically broke. And um, I, I got the offer and I was excited. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And uh, I, I, I said to the, 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 uh, the head on right? I said, listen, I said, can I have a day to think about it? He goes, of course. He said, but it is only a day. He said, because I do have to make this off with someone else. So, okay. So I hang up the phone and I'm all excited. And my wife is in my office. I put a couch in my office because she would come up and spend her two or three hours a night with me on the couch because I wouldn't leave my office. And I hang up the phone and I tell her what I was just offered. And I, I said, what do you think? And she said, if, well, she said, if you think, that's all you're ever going to make. She said, you want to forgo your dream. She said, then take it. Whoa. Never has my wife punched me in the gut like that in my life. She said, if you think you can build something that's going to change the world and make you happy, she said, then do it. She said, but if you think that's all you're ever going to do, then take the job. She said, don't do it for us. 
which I was not expecting, you know, my wife yeah. with three kids downstairs and I'm thinking, Oh my God. We, okay. That was it. That was, I, I didn't even think about it. So I, I called the individual back that night and I said, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, but no, but thank you. But, but, mm. <laughs> and he said, he said, I didn't think I'd hear that from you either. He said, but, uh, you know, wish you luck and take care. And that was, uh, that was the last time I ever considered a job. I have been offered over the years to be acquired. I have been offered over the years, uh, to, to, you know, to, why don't you get rid of that and come work for me over the years. Right. And to some, some pretty crazy salaries. And I have never even thought about a single one of them as I did like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause the timing of it, right? Like where you, you're already mm -hmm. feeling so vulnerable, you're hemorrhaging money, you've yep. got mouths to feed. And it's like, it's a vulnerable moment where you're like, is this the safety that I need? Or is this the distraction that's going to take me away from the thing I'm in the middle of building? Right. Just like what you talked about. So you went through it too. Like yeah. you know, the, the cost of the what if factor, I can't imagine being 80 something years old and thinking, what if I never tried it? Like I would, that would, that would tear me up. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That was one of the things that my wife reminded me. She said, you told me a long time ago, you wanted to tell our kids bedtime stories of real life things that you did, mm -hmm. you know, that like you lived your life in a way that like, we're not just reading fairy tales. Let me tell you this risk I took, or let me tell you how this hard work did this. And yep. she's like, we're, she goes, we're in the middle of one of those stories. Like, don't give it's up beautiful. on it. Don't give up on it before we see, you know, there's never a full happy ending, but before we see the real fruit of it, you know? Right. So, you're right. See, you know, you're completely right. There, there never is a happy ending because I read so many stories of guys that build a business over so long and then they sell it and then they're depressed. Yeah. Like you're right. There, there never is a, a very complete, like this is the end and congratulations. You're all set. There, there never is like, I got a know, mentor. I got a mentor right now that I've had for a few years. He reminds me of my dad. He reminds me of you. He's a great blend between blue collar, white collar. He started on the factory floor of GE, literally right just, a tradesman on the factory floor mm -hmm. worked his way up eventually to be one of the executives there and then became a turnaround CEO for like Phillips medical and massive companies. No, he sure. never got, he never got rid of his, um, of his, uh, what's the card you have? Uh, um, union card. Okay. He never got, he never got rid of it. Cause he was like, I, it was a reminder to him that if, if this whole thing ever fell apart, I could always go back and I got a job, you know? Yep. Yep. And anyways, he retired about five years ago. And I, we call, I talked to him every, you know, few months and I called him, uh, about six months ago and, uh, we're catching up and he goes, Hey, did I tell you where I am right now? I was like, no, Randy, where are you? And he's like, I'm in Arizona. I was like, what are you doing in Arizona? He said, I took a job. I said, <laughs> what? I said, you took a job. And he goes, man, I got bored out of my mind. Yeah. I go, but you were living on the lake, but you're doing whatever. And he goes, yeah, but he said, here's the thing. When you know, you can add value to people's lives and that your clock's not done. He said, I was getting eaten up inside. I wasn't out of the game. He said, I retired. Yeah. He was like Michael Jordan. He goes, I retired too early. And so he said, I told God, I told the universe, if there's still a need for me out there, I'm willing to keep playing. And a day later, a headhunter called him, said, can you take over this company? They need someone like you. And he was like, I'm in. Wow. And no I'm, I'm like, that's how I think of it. I don't think of like, where, where do we arrive where I can finally relax? I think I'd be bored there. I just want to know what's the next adventure we're on. Where's the yep. next place I could grow and add value? And that's part of the process that we need to fall in love with. 
those are the only people that I'm including in my circle at this point. Like I, people who were like, I can't wait to retire. Like you need to get the hell away from me and far and fast because like, I don't want those people near me because those people are the ones who see, I think secretly resent or hate a lot of their life. And they for show put on like a fake happy, whatever. And, and I don't want that around me. I want people like, if I ever said the words like to my wife, like, yeah, after I retire, we would both laugh. From yeah. what? Like I get to get up every day and do what I want to do. This, this is, I, I'm like the richest guy in the world to me. You know what I mean? I, I know, I know yeah. I'm not like monetarily, but like, like I'm just so full of gratitude. Like, and again, going from sleeping in a friggin' Tahoe to working with amazing people, um, getting to do what I want to do. I'm rich. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, so, so grateful. So, well, let's brag. Um, before we go into our, we're about to go into our lightning round questions, but okay. I want to just even for the audience, I want to let you brag just for a second because we've heard so much of the tough times. We've heard the realities of starting the company and losing your first company and that you did stick with it. And just want to know, like, I want us to celebrate. Where is Solar Wolf now? What's it, what's it, what's it out there in the world doing? So we, uh, we, we ended up, so I, I've been driving by the building that we're in now for years. Um, it was a, a furniture store. It was a really, really high-end furniture store. And next to it is, I'll give an example. The neighbors here are as a Cadillac dealership, a Ford dealership, Home Depot, a BJ's, and a Nissan all around us. We're all on the cloverleaf of several highways right now. And the building itself is on a major, major uh, route too. And driving by this building, and I just, and as a, when I was in the closet thinking like, wow, I'd love to have a big building someday. And so one day I'm driving by this place and it's been empty for about eight months. And I just called and um, I got talked to the owner directly and we worked out a deal to lease and buy the building. And um, so now we're in a building, it's, it's 40,000 square feet. And like, no, I have, I have fortune 100 companies as neighbors. Wow. Um, and I'm, a, I'm of the opinion of like, you surround yourself with that type of, of thinking and, and structure, you end up becoming one. So um, and everyone here is the same, uh, same mindset and that obviously growth intense. So, uh, we have this, we probably have, I'm going to, I'm going to do like a Donald Trump gloating moment, but I, I think we have probably the greatest building in solar. Honestly, I, this building is just beautiful. It's just, it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful piece of real estate where it is and how useful it is for us is great. It's a lot of, do a lot of things like build a media room for, our, our YouTube channels and our, our media setup. Yeah. Um, we have a huge showroom, which I can't think of another solar company, you know, let alone New England, maybe the country that has the availability for stuff like this, but it's afforded us a lot of things on a professional life. Um, I'm super happy. It, it's gotten me connections with some fantastic people I would never otherwise have connections with. Um, and in a personal life, my, my life, um, you know, my wife never has to work. It's afforded me to buy real estate and reinvest and put myself in a position where my kids are okay. Um, and it's You're also, also providing income for, for employees and contractors. And how many, mm -hmm. how many people is that providing opportunities for directly and indirectly a few hundred? I mean, come on. Like that's the, that's the dream is that you go from like, is, can this even pay my bills? to sticking it out and you're a part of helping pay directly and indirectly hundreds of people making, mm -hmm. helping them make a living. Yeah. And it feels amazing. And it's, it's literally what's, what's crazy is I'm a guy that gets bored pretty quick with a lot of things. And this is reverse. This just, I get more like pulled into it every month. 
Yeah. It just gets like so much more. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just full of gratitude at this point in my life. And um, I just want to be able to help other people. You know, like we have this program where for our, our, our people here, like we help them buy their first home. Um, and we help some of our people, some of our, our, our younger guys, like buy the, the first home is like a multifamily home mm-hmm. so that they can go through and not have to make their whole mortgage, or whatever, and then break them in the process. So my, my want is that if anybody that works for me at some point comes to me and says, you know what, I've made enough money from real estate or working with here or, or spending enough time with you guys that I don't have to work anymore. I'm all done. That's like the greatest thing I think professionally I can be told is by somebody that comes through here, starts with you know hardly anything and then leaves within 10 years and their life is set up like that. That's probably the greatest thing I'll, I'll hear outside from my family ever. Beautiful. I love it, Ted, man. This has been such a fun, inspiring conversation. And uh, before we before we let you get back to your day, I want to just ask you five questions. Sure. That we've asked everybody that's been on here. So first thought that comes to mind will do. No need to overthink it. Question number one, if you can ingrain one message into your entire organization, almost like a billboard that they pass by every day, <laughs> what would that message be? Think how our clients think. Empathy. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, question number two. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also, what was the worst advice? Um, that you are, you will have people that will come work for you that are there just for a check and some who will come work with you to help you build everyone's dream, learn the difference almost immediately as fast as you can on the two so that you're not mixing them in the same basket. Mm, I love that. And then how about the worst advice? Either you've been personally given or you, maybe you just hear being passed around that you just disagree with. Um, everybody deserves three and four chances. <laughs> No, they don't. <laughs> it's that fool me once, you know, fool me twice, shame on me mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. I love it. All right. Question number three. What currently causes you the most stress or worry leading this organization? Um, how people's health, right? This pandemic thing, that, that's probably the biggest thing is like everybody hears health and our clients' health too because obviously, you, you know this, like if you're in a hospital bed, money or any of that, no, nothing matters, right? Like yeah. your health is everything. So to, you know, that's obviously the biggest thing on my radar right now going forward is making sure that everybody's healthy. Totally makes sense. Okay, question number four, you, I think you've mentioned a little already, so feel free to just recap what you already said or tell us something different that comes to mind. But question number four is what is your current BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? To have all four of my children come into it and hopefully take it over for the next generation. Hmm. That's my goal. Asked that. I didn't get that part. That's awesome. Okay. Our last question is a little break from the business talk and uh, it's a more fun, creative question. So here it is. We'll call this the back to the future question. Okay. If you could hop into a DeLorean and you get to go back to your past, but there's one rule. We're not there to change things necessarily. Okay. You just get to pass along one message to your younger self as you drive by. When would you go back, and what message would you pass along to that younger version of yourself? Probably about 10 years and tell myself to buy Google stock. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, on, on a non-professional side, um, pay more attention to those who love you. 
honestly. Yeah. That pays more dividends than, than work or money ever does. Beautifully said. Ted, this has been awesome. Thank you, man, for, for opening up your story to us, sharing with us both your your wisdom as well as your heart. Uh, it has been much appreciated on this side. I know our audience has gleamed so much from you. So, buddy, thank you for your journey. Thank you for taking time and being on our podcast today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate it. This has been great. Awesome, buddy. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.